0: This podcast is brought to you by Atlas VPN, who is currently running a huge deal for Moore's Laws Dead fans. Click the link in the description to support Moore's Laws Dead and get Atlas VPN for $1.83 a month with three months for free. But also support Moore's Laws Dead by using the offer code BROKENSILICON for 10% off Vite Ramen or the offer code broken silicon for 25% off all Windows keys at cdkeyoffer.com. You can also use DieString to get 3% off everything else on that website, and we'll talk about these supporters later. But for now, let's just get on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Tom, and today I am joined, as I am on every news episode, by my co-host, Dan. How you doing,
1: Dan? I'm fine. How are you doing?
0: Um, I mean, you know, doing well. The video, which we'll get to, um, uh, of course, later in this episode about Navi32 and the 3231 hybrids doing incredibly well. Um, the po- the channel seems to be doing great. I'm pretty excited about our next guest, which as of now uh, is planned to be one of my former sources in another part of the world that helped contribute to like my supply pricing and release date leaks. It's been... Cause I think this might surprise a lot of... Well, actually, it shouldn't surprise anyone. Anyway, I should say, I think this might not occur to a lot of people that like when they're like, well, you know, his sources on this aren't as good as it... Guys, like my sources every year are not the same as three years ago it's like a rotating door as people are interested uninterested switch positions have life events that make them too busy to bother paying attention to this stuff and this is one of those sources that was one of my better ones that um hasn't really been in the game for a little bit here but of course still pays attention to it and i think would be Really interested, if you are a patron of Moore's Law, said to be able to ask him questions about what it was like to watch the market before the shortages and crypto boom, after them, and mm-hmm. like how he thinks about people's opinions on pricing now. I think this is it's a bit of a lull in news compared to I mean, the insanity of news that we saw last year and early this year. I think now is a good time to just take a step back with with a veteran of the industry and go, what are people missing about how this landscape's changed? I, I'm pretty, I was on the phone with him before, you know, me and you started recording just now. I'm pretty excited about that.
1: And now when you say an, oh, there's a lull in news, I don't know what you mean, Tom. Another I don't know. Card? It's like there's a bunch of rage bait on every another Not card every channel right now <laughs> well another card's about to come out that everybody will hate so i think that's pretty big news but well damn
0: you're getting ahead of us here that is actually story number two but <laughs> i think we've yammered on enough we don't have any re- opening reader mails uh for this or corrections
1: because we're perfect as i like to say
0: because we are absolutely perfect and <laughs> never say anything that makes people mad at us in the comments nope and Let us then get to story number one. NVIDIA silently switches to a new 2x6 pin power connector from the old 12VH power 16 pin. Coding a summary from TechPowerUp. A few weeks ago, we reported that NVIDIA is already shipping its GeForce RTX 4070 Founders Edition cards with an improved 12VH power connector called the 12V2x6. However, today we learned that NVIDIA is also shipping the GeForce RTX 4090 Founders Edition with an improved 12v2x6 connector as well. This is thanks to Redditor u slash posting on r slash NVIDIA. The user reported that his Founders Edition 4090 has, shorter, has shortened sensing pins on the connector. If not adequately plugged in, the sensing pins will not allow the car to draw full power, and... The connector, besides the 4070 and 4090 is updated as well, which makes sense as a power hungry card in the family. And I, I must also point out that Igor at Igor's labs broke this story weeks ago. I think maybe before it happened, mm-hmm. or right around when it was happening and me and Igor talk from time to time. And he tells me that this decision seems to have been made by NVIDIA around the 4070 TI launch. So this okay. idea that it's a newer one, like, though they're planning to do this a while ago. Now it's finally getting implemented and they're not talking about it. I don't know, Dan. I can't imagine why would Nvidia not want to talk about a changing connector that seemingly fixes a
1: defect. Um. Well, I, I mean, I I think uh, <laughs> we settled upon it was a mix of user error and a poorly designed connector that was leading to all of those cards melting. And this mm-hmm. essentially confirms that story where it's like these aren't necessary changes from what it looks like to make it work if plugged in perfectly, but mm, that shortened sensing pin that seems to be the purpose of the sensing pin. So I'm not sure why they wouldn't have been that short to begin with, (laughs) but yeah, but yeah, I mean, it it confirms that, oh yeah, maybe this is kind of poorly designed. And if you're not paying enough attention, you can incorrectly plug it in and accidentally melt your card, which is what was happening. (laughs)
0: When this first, the story first broke, one of my best sources was informing me that Jensen has actually flown to Taiwan for a meeting with the head of this connector or the main manufacturer they're using. Because, you know, there'll be like one manufacturer that makes this, or one predominant manufacturer that makes this new power connector and is then sourcing them to AIBs and NVIDIA separately. And... Mm -hmm. Jen, it was apparently a big enough deal that Jensen was like, hey, man, is this thing not working? Because if it is, we need to recall maybe hundreds of thousands of cards already. And the decision was it was working, but at the outskirts of a tolerance, right? Because it's plus minus whatever millimeters. You can have a female if it's at the outskirts of this end of the plus, And then this mm-hmm. one's at this outskirts of the end of the minus. There, it can make it a little too easy to not plug in all the way or vice versa. And it seemed to be the issue. On paper, you should still, if you plug it, be able to plug it in correctly, though. Like, you should still be able to look. But I can say the clicking noise is, like, almost non-existent on a lot of the, you know, because I've reviewed the 4090, 4080, um, 4070 founders. I've tested enough of these 16 pins that I know that some of them basically don't make a clicking noise. So you can say that's user error, but is it? is it really if there's no obvious way to tell if it's plugged in all the way? And now now NVIDIA seems to have confirmed they know something was wrong. And I guess what I was trying to say is, going back, we reported this seemed to be possibly a major issue. A week went by, we reported. Doesn't seem to be a giant one. Seems like there's dozens of issues, not hundreds, and people might be breaking their own connectors by plugging them in and out and sharing pictures on Reddit. But then I will say in the past few months, I've had sources of mine saying, This is the thing that pops up for every AIB every month. They have a few come in broken. So Hmm. was it a huge deal? No, but it was clearly an ongoing issue that NVIDIA seems to have fixed and wants to sweep under the rug.
1: Well, yeah, and that's the thing is it's just, I don't know. It kind of makes me think of a, the analogy I had in my head as like a poorly designed intersection where a bunch of accidents happen at, or it's like you can call you can say that this is the fault of the driver and in every case like yeah some driver is probably going to be at fault for it but it is going to be fine at fault for like not paying close enough attention but the road or like this thing needs to be designed for the average user to use it correctly and if you're creating a situation where it's easy to use something incorrectly well then you're going to have failures
0: so. Yeah, the bad intersection, or I remember when I, uh, for for my previous job for like a few months or so, I lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana. remember there was this one turn onto one of the main streets to go into the downtown that like clearly was too tight of a turn, weirdly mm-hmm. off a main road into kind of a residential road that turned into a main road. And they had, at a certain point, had two rows of curved concrete, like, guiding walls. And I'm pretty (laughs) sure it's because five cards had rammed into that house over time. And it's like, eventually, you got to do something. Like, you can say everyone should be able to make that turn. If they're paying attention, it shouldn't be an issue. But we have five cars that have rammed into this house on this tight turn. I mean, do you want to be right or do you want to not have an issue? Like, fix the turn. And the fact that NVIDIA has done this has told you... It wasn't perfectly designed.
1: I I don't know how much there is to add to the story because it's like, yeah, I get that. I I get that there's nothing that the part was technically fine. It's just when you have dozens of cards melting, clearly something is wrong. And I think they, at least on their end, honored all our RMA requests. So it's not a huge deal. But uh, they got to do this by and avoid an actual recall by never fully acknowledging that this was a not faulty part, but a poorly designed part part. And I mean, I guess there's a gray line between poorly designed and faulty, but
0: <laughs> right. And I think the thing in video is always worried about is, is there any chance this is going to light a card a case, a house on fire, and then we'll have a real lawsuit on our hands because you could try to sue Nvidia right now. Just like someone could say, well, there'd be a lawsuit over this 7900 XTX reference cooler that had issues in the very beginning of the launch. But ultimately, if nothing's broken and they're they're willing to repair it and it's not an issue that continues forever, this isn't really a lawsuit situation for both situations. But this was a real issue. And AMD acknowledged, I guess I'm bringing up, that 7900 XTX issue is more prevalent. But NVIDIA seems to have managed to not need to acknowledge they did something wrong on this one, even though... They basically acknowledged it by changing the design. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, I don't really have much else to say. I just thought this deserved its own story because it was a story in the past. And this kind of puts a cap on that whole conversation months later.
1: Yeah, um, I know where. Yes, guys, we can stop pretending that this was all just user error. Right. And, that, it, and I would the say, people that are. So I don't think everybody is, but.
0: It is not just all user error. That's ridiculous. At the same time, I do see some people say, I will never buy a 4090 because of the power connector. And it's like, also, those people should calm down. It was never as big of an issue as it seemed like it could have become. And now it's over completely. So we can just (laughs) stop talking about this. Um, But one thing that we cannot escape talking about is how horrible NVIDIA's low-end graphics cards are, which brings us to… Mid-range. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. These <laughs> 180 millimeter squared cards are mid range uh cards. With story number two, uh, RTX 4060 Ti 16 gigabyte launches with no official review program and a hesitant AIB support. On July 18th, or today for non patrons listening to this, NVIDIA is launching the RTX 4060 Ti 16 gigabyte. Now, technically, we are recording and talking about this story before the launch, but ultimately, It doesn't seem to matter. This will barely be a launch day, anyways. In summary, last week it was confirmed that there will be no official review program for this SKU, the 16GB 4060 Ti, by NVIDIA. NVIDIA will not be helping pay to see these two reviewers and doing a ton of marketing. Also, various review outlets like Hardware Unboxed Box have reported this and that AIBs they've spoken to have little plans to support this card with a bunch of SKUs. Uh, additionally, number three, this channel leaked last week that some AIBs have literally no plans to make a single 46 Ti 16 gigabyte model. And today, before the recording of the show, I got a report back from one of the biggest international AIBs out there. Won't say the name, but it's. It's one of the big ones, guys. Uh, that said that they will not be sending a single review sample out. Any reviews you would have seen of this company are because someone bought it or got someone to get it to them early. And they will be doing the minimum number of SKUs to fulfill obligations and relationships to NVIDIA. Now, I'll bring up EVGA as an example because can't be them. They don't make graphics cards anymore. You know, mm-hmm. they would make a 3090 like overclock, like overclock plus kingpin. Like there would be like 10 different Mm-hmm. 3090 SKUs like i don't know i don't know how many exactly there will be for some of these major AIBs when it might be like two none of them sent for reviewers and even it almost actually kind of sounds like to me i didn't put this in the quote that was on screen it kind of sounds like to me that potentially uh they they don't even know when they will be getting to stores like they're not rushing to make sure they're there on July 18th and so yeah, there you go. If you're curious how this card will perform, again, even though we're recording this before it's technically out, we can just throw on screen the same average that I know didn't run into VRAM issues on screen, and that is to say it's a little behind a 3070, a little above a 3060 Ti most of the time when there aren't VRAM issues, which there shouldn't be with 16 gigabytes of RAM, and it will be launching for the same $500 MSRP of the 3070 that it is weaker than from 2.5 years ago. Um, and the last thing aibs expected the 4060 ti 8 gigabyte to f- be a bad flop but no aib i spoke to a, a couple months ago expected the 4060 8 gigabyte mm-hmm. to flop badly at 300 and it flopped catastrophically apparently and because that card has flopped so bad this is where it's coming from where they're like well we were going to make this 16 gigabyte model and the 4060 our main volume sellers but now the 4060s flopped so badly We don't think anyone wants any of these cards. They're too weak, too overpriced in the low end. And uh, we're basically planning to hibernate until the holiday season where maybe then we'll do figure out where we want to be to get some more cards out there for consumers uh, for like Christmas and Black Friday shopping. So, yep, that's basically all of it then, Dan. Um, What do you think of the 4060 Ti 16 gigabyte?
1: Yeah, it's just I don't really know what they were expecting to happen with the 4060 Six, i mean 4060 ti 16 gigabyte like i i don't know why there would be an expectation that this 16 gigabyte card would be a high volume seller i mean the 4060 was panned for its price and this is that except a hundred dollars more and sure you're getting twice as much ram but uh, I mean, I just think this card would have been a lot better if it had a one ninety two bit bus and twelve gigs of RAM, <laughs> and split the difference between the two SKUs they're launching at like I don't know four hundred. That was I'm told by the way a design
0: but, they considered considered
1: like like that. Just there seems were two
0: st- variants of the forty of the eighty one oh six die. There was a one ninety two bit version that yeah. they canceled in lieu of eight gigabytes because they thought well, it'll be smaller, fit in more laptops and save us money and people will buy anything we throw out there anyways. And guys, people at NVIDIA know they made a mistake. They know. The engineers know, at least. Marketing well, people I mean, will admit it,
1: but... <laughs> the, the 16 gigabyte mar- marketing from the beginning f- felt like they were trying to put a band-aid on a fundamentally poorly designed card. So Because I, I think if it had 12 gigabytes, sure, it's less than what this than 16, but at this level of performance, I think 12 is probably fine. Uh, and yeah, they would have just been way, 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 way better off if that's what they had launched. Uh, you know? and I just don't see how this, the 16 gigabyte card fixes that issue. And I think it's just going to push people to buy something like a 6,800 XT that's still on the market as long as they're still on the market, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, you know,
0: what I would say, Dan, is you said, I don't know why AABs would have thought this. I don't know. I think they looked at the 4060 Ti and they're like. Well, the 8-gigabyte model is literally the same price and performance as last-gen. It's no wonder no one cares. But you know, those A4000s have been selling on eBay for $500 with 16 gigabytes for a while now. This is basically that A5000 or A4000, same similar power usage too, but new. So surely everybody's going to want this. Remove the VRAM problem, and you're getting a more efficient 3070, except now it has 16 gigabytes, and everyone loved the 3070. And this is just kind of that, like, I'm going to call it shortage brain mentality, where they yep. think, well, if everything two years ago sold for 50% more than MSRP, then if we launch something for the same price as the old MSRP that's has some cool feature or mo- double the RAM or 10% more performance, surely they're buying 3070 TIs for $800. Why wouldn't they buy a 30, 70, 16 gigabyte? for 500 that uses less energy it, it kind of reminds me of like in the movie The Big Short where like the cocky banker or, or mortgage person is like well we've planned for a market that crashes by 30% or 20% they said they said <laughs> well what if it crashes by 50% well that can't happen and I think all of these cards were designed and planning was in place where they're like oh okay the markets crashed so we'll make it 30% better than the no it's over like the party's done. You need to go back to like how things used to be priced, where you get at same price twenty to thirty percent better with more efficiency, or you get a lower price in like twenty percent better performance. And when they saw the forty sixty, which really was like ten percent more performance for less money, didn't pan out. They're like, yeah, I guess it. I think that I think this finally realities hit everybody.
1: Yeah, and, and I don't know. I just think if they couldn't sell this. I mean, even with the 4060 Ti at four hundred dollars, is too expensive. But if they couldn't have gotten this out for like four hundred fifty dollars or something, I don't know why. I don't see a reason why they would launch it now. Maybe that means that it would have even been lower margin with the than the 4060 Ti at four hundred fifty dollars. Which I don't know. Maybe that just means this thing shouldn't exist. Which I guess is basically what the AIBs are coming to uh, are agreeing on. If uh, they're just fulfilling the minimum requirements, they have to to sell this. 16 gigabyte monstrosity that nobody's going to review day one
0: <laughs> yeah I, I don't know i don't really know what else i have to say about this card i mean we've talked about it like everyone says we have we end up talking about the 7640 60 or forty sixty ti every broken silicon for like the past four or five months um this is the final real news story about it which is here comes the 16 gigabyte model and AIBs themselves don't even seem to want to talk about it. So, you know, it's a joke. It's getting horrible reviews. There are better options. Get a 6800 XT that is like 30 to 40% stronger with the same amount of RAM for the same price that comes with Starfield. Ignore this joke, just like you should have been ignoring everything else in the 4060 series.
1: Yeah. uh, And yeah, I I mean, I guess we'll see reviews for it next week at some point. And it's gonna look like what you saw whenever the forty-sixty Ti came out, like three months ago, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Except, I guess, two games it will perform a, a bit better in. Well, it will perform significantly better in those games. So, I don't, I, I don't know if, I don't know who this is for, but if you really wanted that better performance in The Last of Us, I guess you can get that now with uh, forty-sixty Ti.
0: <laughs> or you could have gotten it with a like four hundred dollar, four fifty dollar, sixty eight hundred a while ago which you know is the last thing I'd, I'd say here is i actually checked the pricing before we started recording like oh, okay. th- there's a new 6800 xt on newegg right now for 480 it is 20 dollars less and it'll be i don't know 30 to 50 percent stronger coming w- coming with starfield i believe or if you want a similar amount of performance 6700 xts don't have RAM issues, and they're $350. So save $150. Yeah, they come with Starfield Premium Edition oh, wait, for Jesus. $350. And it yeah, has 12 I, I, gigs of RAM. So this that. is a complete joke. You know, this card has no purpose. The fact that you get a a, a big upcoming game with a 12-gigabyte card for 330 or something on Newegg, it's going to be the same performance. It... it yeah, it's going to bomb. No one's going to get it, I don't think, and I ho- and nobody should. Uh, QH Freddy writes in and says, there's been lots of talk lately about overkill coolers, but nobody really seems to notice that most mid-range GPU PCBs are now almost horrendously oversized, have large swaths of entirely unpopulated boards. Uh, yeah, you know, I actually looked this up when We were right before I read this question, QH Freddy, and yeah, there's 4060 Ti's despite consuming like 150 watts that are like triple cooler things with a single it's it's absolutely ridiculous and i think that's just why you see these pcbs um you know i did some pcb design um when i went to college for engineering and yeah it's cheaper and easier if you have a bigger pcb because you don't have to put more effort into designing all the connections across that board and so i think even if it's not that much cheaper it's just easier i think aibs are like well we're gonna slap this giant cooler on it you know, we might as well make the board easy to design and easy to make it as many places as possible. And that's why the boards are oversized and half of it's empty now too.
1: Well, is it just, is it also an economics of scale thing where they just don't want to design a new part for new things? Like maybe they're spending more on materials for certain cards than they have to, but it's cheaper than going back to the drawing board for each design or for I some guess P- of them... Like, PCB so like, has to be its own design every time, I suppose. Well, for but.
0: 7900 XT to XTX, you could probably do the same board that's over-engineered for both, so you don't need to design a different one. They did that with Vega 56 and 64. It's the same board, mm-hmm. you know. But outside of those, uh, no, I mean, if it's like 4060, 4070, it's going to have its own board.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I agree with QH Freddy like that it's stupid. Cards are way bigger than they have to be at pretty much every level of performance and it, it's really annoying because like it minimizes the ability to like makes uh really small cases that i mean really small pcs that some people like to have uh even if they're sacrificing performance a little bit well they don't even have that option anymore because a lot of the time because the like forty sixty ti's and forty seventies are even too big
0: Right the fo- right the 4060s are as big as what 4080s should be and the 4080s are as big as 4090s and the 4090s and 7900XTXs are absurd like I just reviewed the 7900XTX that now you're testing and we'll probably do a die shrink on our p- combined opinions of this card soon um but yeah I it's like even if you say well okay if you overclock this and push the power limit it can use 450 watts in some games put if you push it to the max, and so maybe you need this triple slot cooler with three fans. I'd go, eh, maybe actually, I'm not against that. It's a 450 watt card, but I there's no reason for the metal shroud to have this weird diagonal cliff that shoots out and just takes up an extra extra inch. And almost every 4080 and 4090 and 7900 XTX cooler right now have these shrouds that jut out the bottom inside half an inch more than they used to. They're an inch long. Like these 4 13 to 14 inch cards, they're they're hard to fit into even large cases sometimes now. And they and they're not adding extra cooling. The the heat sinks here and then the shroud is just jutting out here. And it's just so inefficient and stupid and I don't know why they're doing that. That I just don't get.
1: Yeah, I I like I I want to like look at it and see if like there's literally actually even a functional element uh, in that portion of the card because i i can't see what it's there for
0: <laughs> yeah but i don't know qh Freddy. if you have oversized coolers and you've committed to them i think the aibs figure well we might as well just make the pcd match the size why wouldn't we and that's why they're doing it but it, it's weird that because you have these like reference coolers or pcbs for the 4090 that look like theory nano designs that could be itx if they wanted to be And and i just wonder like I get why the 4090 doesn't do that, but I find it bizarre that you don't see some more like compact 3070 sized coolers for like the 4080 to -hmm. save on shipping costs and fit into more systems. But I don't know. I guess that's just not what they're doing. (laughs) At least not yet. (laughs) Um, Curious, suspicious white man writes in to believe his name used to be angry, suspicious white man. Um, We're keeping an eye on this guy. A lot of
1: angry anymore. What? Glad you're you, not angry anymore. That's probably the last better.
0: thing we need is a bunch of angry white men that we need to watch suspiciously around here. But yes, well, could use a less suspicious about everybody right now. <laughs> but um, <laughs> he says hello, Tom, and potentially Dan. Dan is here. Asrock just discounted their 7900 XTX Phantom Car Gaming Card to its new. Low, low price of $899, a first for the XTX. I'd like to hear both of your thoughts on this price for the XTX. Do you believe other brands may follow? Well, yeah, Dan, the XTX, XFX version I tested you have, we got for, I think, $880 or something. He goes, do you believe other brands may follow, and could this price drop affect the potential MSRPs of the upcoming 7700 and 7800 releases? And finally, what might be causing this sudden drop in price? Keep up the good work. Well, actually... Well, let me say the first. Well, let me answer this first. Yes, it undoubtedly will affect the price of the seventy seven hundred, seventy eight hundred, mm-hmm. and we're about to get to it. I think that they, AMD, should just come out and drop the price on everything uh, whenever they, they announce the new cards because it's time to acknowledge realities on the ground. Where are you going to say?
1: Oh, I mean, I just think they're going to have to unless they want to look kind of unless they're going to look kind of stupid with uh, the pricing of their l- mid tier. Uh, cards this generation because they can't like they can't launch some of these cards like in line with what they probably would have wanted with like a 7800 at like 650 or something is probably what they wanted to do yeah i was gonna say 700 but yeah i don't think they can do that anymore and i don't know if they want their the rest of their lineup to look in comparison good to the new cards that they're going to launch they're going to have to adjust pricing
0: yeah yeah, and they did it with the 7600. They wanted that at first to be a 350, 7600 XT. Then they were like, well, maybe we'll do a 300, 7600. And they said, screw it, 270. We have to make this the same price of the 6,650 XT and 6700s because it mm-hmm. wouldn't make sense not to. And so, yeah, I mean, everything else is going to be affected by that. And what's going to co- what's causing the sudden drop in price? I mean, you know, the data coming in is basically that we're in a light recession right now, but things aren't as bad as people thought they were going to be yet, but people are being conservative in their purchasing still. So that's Mm -hmm. part of it. But also, I just have to say it. I think people continually ignored this point, me and you kept bringing up for the past year, Dan. There are only so many people who will buy a 3080 at $1,000. There are Mm -hmm. only so many people that have the money to buy a 4090. I know it seems like they're all going to go on forever, But the prices eventually collapsed. And that's because, yeah, I know, maybe month month one NVIDIA sells 150,000 4090s. Maybe the next month they sell 200, then 100, then 80. There's probably not over a million people on Earth that want a card that expensive or something. And eventually the same is going (laughs) to happen to all of these. And so eventually they're going to have to be priced like they're supposed to be because there's only so many people. There's only so many people that will pay scalper prices. There's only so many people that will buy a card that expensive no matter the performance and it's happening
1: yeah (laughs) there's just not many people that want to buy a pc that's as expensive as a used car (laughs)
0: exactly it's there's just only so many and so that's why amd will have to take these things into account when they launch the products that we will talk about now in story number three jesse loves watching netflix with me but not just part of Netflix all of Netflix regardless of the region. And why wouldn't we take advantage of all regions? We're paying for it. This regional content wall that goes up all the time depending on where you live is just silly. And you can avoid this silliness just like we are if you use Atlas VPN. This piece of content is sponsored by Atlas VPN. Atlas VPN is an incredibly affordable VPN that's become a long-term supporter of Moore's Dead. And so if you need one, show them some love, but not just because I told you to, but also because Atlas VPN gains you access to content in other regions companies want to nickel and dime you for accessing they also let you use Atlas vpn on unlimited devices and they also stop ads and malware including malicious links and trackers trying to steal your data and actually they also work to show the best prices available subverting attempts to gouge you based on location or operating system that one I think is actually incredibly useful in my opinion because it demonstrates you're actually paying for something here compared to some other competitors though not paying that much much really that's right Atlas VPN can actually save you money every month despite only costing a dollar eighty-three a month if you click the link in the description and they're running a big deal right now that will also give you another three months for free click the link in the description to protect your data and save you money clicking on that link alone helps the channel a lot and also if you need a VPN Atlas is pretty dang good support someone who supports Moore's Law is dead that's Atlas VPN today Moore's Law dead leaks RX 7700 12GB, 7800 16GB, and 7900 16GB details. On July 14th, this channel leaked a flurry of Navi32 information that is as follows. Number one, AMD is currently planning to announce two Navi32 SKUs at Gamescom 23. This takes place in middle to late August, I believe. And then these two SKUs, the 7700 and the 7800, are planned to launch in September once AMD believes navi 21 stock will be basically completely gone top navi 32 or what i believe will be called the rx 7800 although let's remember names can change it's supposed to come as of now with a 260 watt thermal board power 60 compute units and 16 gigabytes of 19.5 gigabit per second memory so that's slightly slower memory than what the spec calls for for navi 31 i'm assuming that's just so like. I don't know who makes it, but Micron or Hynix or someone else who doesn't quite make 20 gigabit can also bid on these boards and lower the prices as well. Cut down Navi32 or the 7700 is supposed to, as of now, come with 245 watt thermal board power and 48 or 54 compute units. My contact isn't sure of which one they'll go with right now. And then 12 gigabytes of 19.5 gigabit per second memory. And then, of course, there's also that Navi 3132 hybrid card that I leaked a month ago that is 70 compute units of Navi 31, the worst yields of that, but within a Navi 32 package and in Navi 32 boards and coolers. This is something that would be, I don't know, this hybrid model 10 to 15% stronger than true Navi 32 while only costing slightly more to produce because everything besides the 5 nanometer portion is more expensive. Um, is, I mean, the same price, I should say. And so far, though, this hybrid model seems to be a ways out from launching. Basically, this hybrid model is AMD putting aside the absolute worst Navi 31 GCD yields over time until they can have even 20000 for a launch, maybe even 10000 And then they also need AIBs to buy in on it, though, because I don't think they plan to have a reference model for it. I think what they want is AIBs who are designing Navi 32 graphics cards to go this die drops right in. We'll sell it to you for a little more, but AIBs say that the margins are horrible. This 70 compute unit card was apparently supposed to launch in June, and no <laughs> AIBs wanted it until now. And so, especially with the fact that we now see Navi um, 31 7900 XTs dropping to almost 700, the entire reason they would want to call this a 7900 is because they probably want to charge 700 bucks for it. So, Now Uh, that the 7900 XT is going to 700, I don't think this even makes sense to launch anytime soon aggressively. So AIBs don't want to support it. They don't have a lot of yields for it. And now the price is already occupied by something better. I I think this is something that just isn't going to launch soon. And then, yeah, so that's basically what there is to say about these products. The only other thing I will add is all the Watts, which is uh, someone on Twitter that one of my sources told me directly a year ago, Have the specs of Little Phoenix correct, and then I leaked that eight months ago, and we've now found out that's true. So I don't know who this person is. They got that super specific thing correct eight months ago. Now, this person is leaking 3D Mark time spy tests that show an RX 7700 performing like a 6800 and an RX 7800 performing like a 6800 XT, (laughs) which was exactly what I leaked last week. To put things into perspective, This 7700 would have 50% more VRAM than the 4060 Ti, will be in 15 to 25% stronger as well, meaning below $500, it makes a mockery of the 46, well, both 4060 Ti's really. Um, And I guess, yeah, the last thing I would say is, I've thought about it. Um, Here's what I think. 600, 500, 400. 7800 XT, 7800, 7700. Win. $400, 7700. $500, $7,800. $500, $7,800. If they launch this 70 compute unit model, $600, $7,800 XT. Win, should get good reviews. I'll recommend it. It's better than the Navi 21 cards drying up in stock. 700 600 500 bad. They try to call it wow. the 7900 launch it for 700 They try to sell Navi 32 for more than what the, for like 20% more than what 6800s are selling for right now. They try to launch a 7700 XT. That's, better than the 3060 ti but has less ram and is stronger at the same price as the 16 gigabyte model that's bad but i think the true i think what they're going to do is probably in the middle my guess is they're going to do 550 450 and not launch the top model for a while but um all right want to get all that out dan what do you think
1: oh yeah i i mean it when it pricing is at the end of the day the thing that really matters and i think we know so like the naming isn't as big of a deal, but if they go for like lower than $700, they really can't go with like a 7,900 because then they're just, I think they're making their pricing model collapse if they do that. Uh, But they can't really launch it for 700 because at that point, it's going to start interfering with street prices of the 7,900 XT. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think them charging slightly more than 600, 500 and 400 is maybe winnable for them, but Obviously, I would prefer them to just sell it at a flat flat six hundred five hundred four hundred have like the sony seven hundred be a little maybe a little stronger than a uh, forty sixty t i with four gigs of more ram that seems like it's winning if they try to do you, what you said the the where they lose and sell that for five hundred well then they're just repeating what the forty sixty t i is and we know what's going to happen there
0: <laughs> no one is going to buy it yeah yeah and so. I guess I, yeah. it was funny looking at the comments of that um, video I put out, leaking all of this. There are people like, "Well, so there it is, confirmed. AMD is going to be just as greedy." And I was like, "No, I think this suggests they're going to at least be more aggressive than NVIDIA by a lot." It's hard, like you described. It's hard for me to conceive of a seventy nine hundred that launches for the same price as a seventy nine hundred XT with less performance. Why or not, happen?
1: not even necessarily the same price, but if it launches for seven hundred dollars, oh. all. If it's launching it's in September, the same price. if it's launching in September, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some models of the 7900 XT getting down to like. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't bet on it at like 750 though. Yeah, definitely 800. Oh, well, they're already to 720, already Dan. Oh, well then, yeah, that's impossible. <laughs> okay,
0: yeah. and I and I, I forgive you because you have to check pricing every day now because everything just keeps going down. So I think it's absurd if they were to do that, and I think they just can't. And you know, what, and I saw a few comments that were like, what? So the 7700 isn't even stronger than the 6700 XT? Uh, it, at a minimum, guys, it has 50% more or 20% more compute units. And we know RDNA3 compute units, though underperforming, do outperform RDNA2 compute units. And then also, its RAM is clocked like 20, 30% faster over the same bus width. No at a minimum this thing is going to be around a 70 a 6800 all the watts just put out a thing saying that and those have been selling for like 450 for a while so if amd launches at 450 lower power consumption same performance or yeah same performance as a 6800 basically but better ray tracing Meh. if they make it 400 and call it a 70 7700 though I, I mean i think that's good i that's they want yeah. yeah. something for the same price as a 4060ti then with 50% more ram 20 percent more performance that's a good card
1: yeah and then if they do that for 450 it's still probably in the range of better deal than a 4060 TI but I, I think that would largely be a repeat of the 40s of the 4060 TI story where it's like and eh, this is kind of too expensive for what you're getting so I think that bottom I, I believe that's the bottom of Navi 32 uh card I think that needs to be 400 to 450 20, maybe 430 to be generally well received and 400 i think it would be just w- well received
0: mm-hmm. or again if it's not well received i would make the argument nothing's going to get you excited because we're looking at performance that is hundreds of dollars cheaper than what you could get years ago so
1: mm-hmm. you know um I, I well might get- obviously on reddit there's going to be a contingent of people that are mad about everything but
0: yeah well and you know uh I would I I'm going to guess they're going to do like I'm going to guess they're going to do like 5 like 429 I I'm I'm feeling like they might do something like 429 529 you know mm-hmm. I think 550 450 is meh but if they go any below that I'm like this is better than what you could get before so whatever Yeah Um and then you know I really think if it, it kind of seems like they're doing the 48 compute unit model if they do that then they can save the 54 compute unit yields, which I've heard are another set of yields at AMD. Um, that can be the 7700 XT, and then the 7800 XT can be the 70 can be the um, 70 compute unit yields, and then just better yields of Navi 33 can be saved for a 7600 XT. I, I I would suggest that's just what they should do early the next year as a refresh, you know. Mm-hmm. But right now, I think they launch two models and get out, and and I do think they just need to go out on Gamescom and say, hey. We're now announcing new price drops, $900 for the 7900 XTX, like $700 or $750 for the 7900 XT, $550 or $500 for the 7800, $450 or $400 for the 7700, and then $250 for the 7600 and then go, that's the new pricing for everything this holiday season. We'll have tons of supply for you. And guess what? They all come with Starfield. I think that's a real opportunity there to take market share. And, and it is. You're, you're giving performance for... Quite a bit less than you could get last gen, even at MSRP. Coming with a big new game, I think that's just do that and get out and stop bothering with anything else this gen because the market's down.
1: Yeah, and uh, if something like that does end up happening, and your takeaway is still that the market is terrible and everybody's greedy and everything, I think you just need to actually adjust like what your expectations are are. Like, look back and ask yourself if it's really as bad as you think it is compared to the past.
0: Yeah. And because, again, um, is it stupid that NVIDIA's 4060 Ti and 4060 don't seem to be upgrades over their predecessors? Yeah, that's dumb. That's only really an issue for you if you're an Nvidia fanboy who only buys from one company, not someone like me or you who owns cards from both companies is happy to buy the best product. If you're happy to buy the best product, if and I say if the 7700 is like 400 or something, you're getting something for less money than the 6700 XT was that will have like 20 to 30% more performance. That is an improvement, cheaper, 10 to 20% cheaper. 10 to 20% more performance. This is a net 40 to 50% increase, depending on how you look at it. That's a pretty typical Gen over Gen increase, guys. Mm -hmm. And this is ignoring the fact that the 6700 XT was like a $700 card for half of its life. (laughs) Um, All right. Papa pa, Paws writes in, or Papa, pa, well, he doesn't have an apostrophe, no, it's Papa pa, Paws writes in, and he says, are we going to see Navi 32 or a Navi 31 refresh this year? Is AMD trying to fix whatever bug RDNA launched with that nerfed performance? Are they waiting for the GPU market to stop softening before they launch fixed versions of these dies?" Um... Well, look, I'd say it's too soon to declare if Navi32 has any fixes that Navi33 and 31 and Phoenix don't have. <laughs> but the fact that those all seem to have the same compute unit utilization issues tells me it would be odd if 32 is the only one that's fixed. Because if they had some big fix and they held back on 32, why wouldn't they have held back on Phoenix? Maybe not 33, because that was always going to launch early. But I would expect something else, you know. And what if all the watts's leaks are correct on performance that's exactly what i would have s- expected out of performance of an unfixed navi 32 die so uh, uh, i, I all evidence suggests that there isn't a fix for rdna3 coming anytime soon no one i talked to says there's a refresh coming with new silicon this year no one i talked to so uh, i don't uh, think so i think i think at this point it's clear we had months without rdna2 driver updates we had weird messaging from AMD. I think it's obvious they were trying to fix RDNA three and drivers for a while, and it also kind of seems like RDNA three point five and Strix, and you know, is going to have some of those fixes. But that's coming out next year. Doesn't seem like anything on desktop is getting it. That kind of seems like AMD's throwing in the towel on trying to fix this.
1: Yeah, I mean, we might just need to accept that. uh, on a per cu basis this is underperforming a little bit than what we expected and
0: by at least 20 percent. though it really isn't
1: it's pretty bad
0: it's not little
1: (laughs) it's just no i mean you just need to accept uh yeah this this uh generation didn't meet expectations
0: (laughs) yeah and it happens you know um i mean i'm trying to think like the 7970 was about expectations. The 290X exceeded expectations. Fury maybe slightly below. Vega, definitely below. And then RDNA 1 exceeded. RDNA 2 exceeded. One out of three times, they're going to drop the ball by 20%, these companies. And Ampere fell short by about 10% too. You know, 10-20% as well. It, it was still good, but it dropped below expectations, I think. I'm thinking back, like Pascal. I think exceeded expectations from what I heard. Um, Kepler was a bit below. All of these companies sometimes have a ten to twenty percent miss.
1: Alchemist way exceeded expectations.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Intel Alchemist missed expectations by forty per by arguably fifth like half. <laughs> Who knows? A, a, a big number because if you throw efficiency <laughs> into it, it's like it's crazy. But yeah, um, all right. Well, speaking about expectations, AMD gave us some indications of what we should expect out of their upcoming products. In story number four, AMD vice president basically confirms there are plans for Phoenix on AM5 and no plans for little cores out of AMD. On July 12th, AMD vice president David McAfee sat down with Wizard of Tech Power to discuss an eclectic set of questions ranging from AI to Ryzen strategy. However, for the purposes of this show, we would like to zero in on the two concrete takeaways that stood out to this writer. Namely, David said, and I'm quoting here, there will be APUs that come into AM5. There will be some users that want it and look for it, but they won't be all consumers. I have a 65-watt Raphael desktop system that I use at work with three displays hooked up, and it's awesome. In a small form-factor case, it's a phenomenal work desktop. But not everybody has to agree with me. If there's some people that want a Phoenix-based APU desktop, that's okay. We're going to support those people. And this, of course, would line up with what I leaked, I think, a few months ago, that the rumors of Ryzen 8000 launching at the end of this year. That's Phoenix APUs launching Mm to AM5 before Zen 5 does. Now, there's another quote here that's interesting. David says, I know that Mark Papermaster talked a lot of about different core types coming into our portfolio. I guess what I would say is that as we've looked at different core types, there's probably two things that are overarching factors that we think about in terms of how they fit into the portfolio. One is the notion that P cores and E cores that the competition uses is not the approach that we plan on taking at all, really. Because I think the reality is that when you get to the point of having Core types with different ISA capabilities, different IPC, just different things they can do, it makes it very complicated to ensure that the right workloads are scheduled on the right cores consistently we're constantly looking at different core types, how they might fit into architectures in the future. But I think there's some more obvious places where different core types come in and bring an advantage much more quickly than in the desktop space. So there you go. AMD is bringing Phoenix and probably some other APU designs to AM5 soon, but they have no plans for e-cores on desktop at this time. And I do think this is important to out here. People say big, little cores. I've seen people go, well, are you being mad about E cores? Which I'm not really mad. I don't really hate E cores, actually. That's just some people do, and I report on it. Um The C cores in Zen 4C and in Little Phoenix, these are not little cores. These are big, full performance cores. It'd be more accurate to say that the C cores from AMD are big cores, and their non-C cores are extra big cores. And I think this is AMD's approach moving forward. They want to take two-thirds of cores on a CCD and then find a way that they can take up 30 to 50% less space while not having to do any special shenanigans with the programming. Make them denser. Make them have the same IPC and capabilities. But then, you know, maybe they clock a little lower and we can fit more of them. Um, And, uh, yeah, that's just the last disclaimer I wanted to say that C cores are not little cores.
1: Yeah, I mean, they'll inevitably be compared to them. And, you know, if... We're trying to be pedantic, yeah. They technically are smaller, but they're not a completely different architecture, which is the important distinc- distinction to make. They're going to have the same IPC. They just take up less space, and like you said, probably clock worse, uh, yeah. which from a scheduling perspective, I think makes it a lot easier because you don't have to do whatever Black <laughs> magic. Yeah, is going on uh, to get the Big cores to be correctly be scheduled when doing like single threaded tasks like playing video games or less multi threaded tasks like that. And here it's just, well, yeah, you're going to have maybe eight uh, normal cores and like 16 C cores or something. And the C cores just don't clock as high. And the things that need higher clock speeds go to the things that clock (laughs) higher. Yeah. Which, eh, I, I mean, from a consumer standpoint, I think. Maybe you will stand to benefit more from that than you do from E cores because, at least as E cores stand right now, I don't think they're doing a ton for like gaming. Even though the car even though the CPUs that have E cores on them are still good for gaming,
0: they're helping in that they take up the background tasks. But that's it. The E cores aren't helping peak performance. They're just yeah. making it so things don't get in the way. Right? Yeah, is how you put it. At least based on the testing I've seen, is that any argument. If you get bogged down, they make sure you hold six. If you had two big cores and eight little cores, that's way better than just having two big cores. Because Mm -hmm. what that means is if you get bogged down to below 60 frames, it'll make sure you don't go to 30. But that's basically all they can do because the latency penalty is so bad. You're not boosting a game past like 120. The E-Cores are only handling background tests. They're not helping you get a higher frame rate in reality. Theoretically.
1: Yeah, (laughs) which, I mean, I don't know. We'll see how the C cores, once they start actually getting integrated into gaming desktops, how much they do help gaming performance. I mean, if you're going to have models that just have eight uh, non-C cores on on there, I I doubt that C cores will really impact gaming performance that much. At least not immediately, maybe with games that are more multi-threaded, like a few years down the line you'll see a benefit from them but
0: mm-hmm. yeah well Strix point is going to be very interesting to test it's quite telling i think that a lot of the things i've leaked um from amd about Strix halo and Strix point show 12 cores or 16 cores and they don't say the difference between same with like little phoenix they never say big little they never say c or non-c they just seem to like people i talk to are like yep yeah, Eight of those 12 cores are C cores, but we don't talk about it because it's still a unified CCX or slash the CCD that shares the cache. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and, and we'll see how the marketing goes f- for that because I, I think at least people that are getting desktop will be concerned with uh, C or non-C cores. So I don't, I don't know how they're going to advertise that and it might just inevitably fall into them kind of calling them big little cores at least in branding or some variant of that but we'll see
0: yeah but you would argue they don't need to they all share the same cash pool they all have the same full features so
1: yeah that's true
0: (laughs) and they might just say no what this means is eight of the 12 cores use significantly less energy and four of those cores and your apu can now hit 5.5 gigahertz we didn't do it this way would have been five gigahertz before Oh yeah, um, I know.
1: And as far as boosting goes, that's really what Boost has been advertised as forever. So, exactly. Um,
0: this summer, Jesse's excited to lay back and, well, if we are being honest, try to get some of my friends and family to give them their hamburgers, hot dogs, and noodles while we're making dinner and having cookouts. Which honestly, I don't think she even really cares that much about which piece of human food she gets, whether it's healthy or not. But that's where me and her differ, because I do care. The older I get, the more I notice the healthier I eat, the better I feel. And that's why I eat Vite Ramen. This piece of content is brought to you by Vite Ramen. Light Ramen is a healthy, tasty, and shelf-stable food crafted by an American startup that offers a ton of options for eating healthy, like their classic packages that make it easy to add protein and other ingredients of your choice, and their Ramen Go packages that offer a healthy, microwavable option for those who truly only have a 15-minute lunch break, whether at the office or working from home. Click on the link in the description and use the offer code BROKENSILICON to save 10% off a variety of different products, including special bundles just for more Fans, raw nudes, if you want to make up your own recipe with these noodles, and other food products and cooking utensils as well. And remember that no matter what you get from Vite Ramen, if you use the link in the description and the offer code, you are supporting Moore's Law is Dead, in addition to supporting this plucky and rapidly growing company. So support Moore's Law is Dead by supporting Vite Ramen today. QH Freddy writes in. And he asked, do you think there is a potential endgame of big little where all the little cores are really just domain-specific accelerators instead? Do you think AMD will bother using a true big little design like Intel is as a bridge to a big accelerator future? Or do you think they're just going to get by without ever needing to go into big little because they'll just have a bunch of big cores and eventually just add accelerators next to them? Yes, that is what I think AMD's strategy is. I think AMD...
1: I mean, that's definitely what they're signaling right now.
0: I think AMD's strategy is on server, Do you, th- they're all big cores, but do you want the big cores to be able to hit 5 gigahertz or three? You want three? We're going to give you 50% more cores because we've made them more compact. But they're the same IPC. They're still all big cores. And then in laptop, we're just going to assume you want us to power optimize ha- like two-thirds of the cores, but still give you four big ones so that they can boost as high as if you're using a desktop and then on desktop i think they're just like hey look all fully everything big cores 16 of them and we're just going to try to make those cores 30 percent better every year and eventually we're just gonna have tons of accelerators because no one's using cpu cores to render you're using a graphics card so why wouldn't we and then for encoding why wouldn't we just have an encoder for all of these things that we're using to benchmark big little you're probably going to rather have an accelerator. And I, I just think that's their plan is to slink by, maybe go to 24 cores. Maybe it'll be 24 cores where two thirds of them are C cores, but never really needing to go big little like Intel is.
1: Uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I imagine before they go to C cores, they would want, they would want to have at least eight normal uh, full cores on, on like any desktop product.
0: For now, what we can see on roadmaps is that Granite Ridge Zen five um is eight and then eight again. So it doesn't seem like they're using C cores. Actually, before I get mm-hmm. to my point, I'll just read this question from Florida Man. Would it be smarter for AMD to have a single Jack of all trades flag Jack of all trades flagship, like a X3D 16 core configuration, or do a triple flagship where they have 32 Zen 5 C cores and then also 16 6 gigahertz Zen 5 cores, and then also 16 all X3D cores. Should they do the triple option? What would the market, or would the marketing be too segmented and confusing for customers to enjoy the choice? Um, I don't know. From my perspective, I, I, I I don't think that's the worst idea, honestly, because I don't know how much it really costs to launch all three of these if you think there's a big market for all of them. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to, I'd I'd really have to think, I I, I would almost suggest, it's hard for me to say, I'd almost suggest what they should do is 16 all X3D cores or eight plus 16, because eight plus 16, the scheduling will be literally the same as otherwise. And then they can just offer that multi-threading. But then if you want the most efficient 16 cores, the fee cache, that's the other option.
1: Yeah, I uh. I I guess those are the two I would go with being the most preferable. I I don't like the idea of having like four flagships that it's like 32 uh, C cores, eight and 16 or 16 full cores or 16 X3D cores. That just sounds confusing to me. And um, it's going to be getting really into the minutia of what tasks you're like optimizing for. And I just don't know if there's a market for, all I, I think the market for at least some of those would be pretty niche. Like a 32 core desktop chip that just sounds like somebody's trying to make a cheap workstation, I guess, which it might just be better to make a cheap workstation instead of trying to turn your desktop into one. I don't
0: know. Yeah, because there's an interesting question here of like also how what do people want versus what do they need to launch to beat Intel? If they launch a 32 all C core, all Zen 5C. That's probably going to beat Arrow Lake and multithreading. Um uh, so, you know, there you go. But by how much? Does it really matter? Does anyone really want that? You know, are you aren't you still gonna beat eight plus sixteen Arrow Lake, which is really probably their main competition? Mm-hmm. Um Aren't you aren't you still gonna beat that with probably just 8, 16, you know, and then the scheduling's the same. I would wonder if they should just do that to simplify the product stack and then have a 16-core, all-v-cache offering is like a premium gaming option besides the 8800X3D. Something like that. Like, I think those two would be the two I would go with if they're going to put C cores here. I I don't know. Yeah, because then you could say this one has 24 cores total and it goes to 6 gigahertz or higher. This one's at 5.5 gigahertz, only 16 cores, but if you have latency-sensitive tasks, it's a monster at it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think those two would be the option if C cores are going to be put on desktop. To be fair, all roadmaps I've seen max out at sixteen cores. I don't know if they're going to do that though, nor if they yeah, can. I,
1: I mean C cores will make their way to desktop eventually. I'm sure, it just might not be. Well,
0: identified. they will in
1: APUs, but in chocolate oh, yeah. form, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, B Fish writes in: Phoenix just now seems to be hitting the market, and this is definitely not quarter one of this year. Is Strix going to release on time? I recall that Saison seemed to come out on time. At least I got a Saison laptop in April of 2021. Well, I think they announced it launched in January back then. Maybe. Well, I have to be careful because so people get mad at me if I get that wrong, and maybe they should. Let me see. Release date. Okay, it launched. Oh, no, it supposedly launched on April 13th, so they actually launched the month they said they did. What on that one. Okay, going back to his question. Rembrandt basically felt like vaporware until later in the year, and Phoenix seems to be following suit. Well, Phoenix you can widely buy now, so it's not vaporware. It's In fact, although Phoenix technically is launching later in the year than when Rembrandt did the year it came out, I would say Phoenix seems easier to get right now than Rembrandt was. Like, I'm seeing mm, yeah. tons of OEMs selling Phoenix laptops right now. So I don't agree with that, but it is definitely not launching in quarter one. I agree with you on there. He says, I know you said Strix Halo is supposed to launch in the second half of the year, of next year, but could Strix slip to that time frame as well? Um, You know, I, I, the way I chose to answer this question, Vfish, because I thought about it, is AMD hasn't announced when Strix is coming out yet. I've only leaked what their roadmaps are planning and then I also said they think it's going to slip so to say is this or is this not going to happen to Strix AMD hasn't confirmed anything I've leaked yet guys so just they're not slipping until they announce an official date
1: I mean yeah what's they're probably going to announce quarter one maybe early quarter two next year and we'll see when actual laptops for that launch now if it's going to slip back a quarter uh maybe they'll wait till oh, like late quarter two to announce i suppose but
0: yeah but to say do you think this is going to slip what i know is i have roadmaps saying first half of next year but the people i talk to think it's really going to be in the second half of next year mm-hmm. but it's not official so to say anything slipping before they've confirmed it i, I think that's a little silly personally yeah. um and I, what i would say is your real question is when can i get these laptops? I think you will be able to get them next year. I don't think they're going to slip to 2025. So there's your answer. And I would guess quarter three is when you'll be able to get Halo. And Strix Point, I think you'll be able to get in the first half of the year, barely.
1: They've generally been pretty good so far. uh, With Zen, I think, getting their laptops to market like once every year, at least. They have a new line. Right.
0: Even if it slips, it's not going to slip like Meteor, like a full year after when Raptor yeah. Lake came out, right? It, it, it's, you know, M- Meteor Lake, you know, is coming out near the end of 2023. It seems like when it's supposed to come out, well, a year before that, at least. I have roadmaps showing Meteor Lake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, but no, don't worry about it launching, to, w- slipping to 2025. Any slips we've seen have been a month or f- a few. Uh, and Phoenix is really the worst one, but now it's widely available. So it, I don't, I, I wouldn't assume... You know, like you said, B-Fish, Rembrandt felt like vapor wa- vaporware, but technically you could you guess get one around when they did said they you could, but it was like one. <laughs> and <laughs> Renoir and Cezanne all came out when they said they would. Phoenix did not remain vaporware the whole year. You can get it now, sooner than when you could get Rembrandt, but it didn't launch quarter one. I wouldn't assume Strix is going to have similar issues to the predecessors. I can't tell you if they're real or won't be, but technically they haven't announced anything yet. And I would just say, You're probably getting Strix Point quarter two next year. You're probably getting Strix Halo quarter three or quarter four next year. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if they'll confirm. That's what I'll just tell you to expect. Um, All right. Let us now, though, move on to something that is supposed to launch this year with story number five. I9-14900KS and I7-14700K details leaked by Moore's Laws. Deb. On July 6th, Moore's Laws had leaked a flurry of Intel bombshells in one giant video. The first one we'll be covering in this show is the ones pertaining to Raptor Lake refresh configurations. First of all, the i7-14700K is planned to be an 8 plus 2 configuration, far more than its predecessor from last gen, and that's a notable performance increase. Although some documents I have seem to suggest that it is the 14700K that will be 8 plus 12 Cores total, and that the non Ki 7s might stick to 8 plus 8. And also, I tweeted recently that uh, there is apparently an i9 14900 KS. I know I talked repeatedly, I'm not sure if they'll have room for that. Seems like they will, and that's the 6.2 gigahertz to maybe 6.3 gigahertz model, which is a little disappointing because that means the i9 14900 K seems to only be hitting 6 gigahertz according to what I've seen recently, which means. Instead of the 14900K being something in single threading that's a clear 5% better than the KS or something, it's probably just going to be slightly better than the 13900KS, with the 14900KS being the one that's 5 to 10% better than the current overpriced flagship. And overall, I think people should just expect the overall Raptor Lake refresh uplift to be 4 to 8% higher single threading over Raptor Lake overall, and 8 to 15% higher multi-threading. Although, of course, something like the i7 that gets a core count bump could be 15 to 20% better multi-threading. But don't expect that out of the strongest i9. The strongest i9 is probably going to be like 10% better multi-threading, and I guess, yeah, I don't know, 3 to 5% better single threading than the current KS. So there you go, damn. All those leaks kind of came out. From a video to a tweet out of this channel over the past 1.5 weeks. What do you think?
1: Eh, you, you know, the 14700K, I think, will depend on if it's priced correct, not stupidly, which I, I think they're generally pretty decent at pricing their i7s, will be a pretty good uh, productivity slash gaming CPU. The 14900K thir- will be. Hopefully not as power hungry as the thirteen nine hundred K, and maybe actually take a place as a decent gaming CPU again. And then the KS, I suspect, will be stupid again because that's what the KS model tends to be. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's and that's what's unfortunate, right? We thought maybe they'll have a six point two gigahertz flagship that isn't the stupid model, but I guess yeah. yeah. Also, that KS model is coming out after the K. I guess I didn't say that in the write up. Oh, Let me yeah. just throw that out there too.
1: Yeah. I, I, so I, I don't know, Raptor Lake refresh is looking like a true refresh generation. There's not going to be that much big difference at the top, but eh, the four core more cores on the i7 will at least benefit multi-threading, even if it's not really going to bring much to gaming, I would suspect.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, there we go. I mean, I guess the only other thing really to discuss about this story, because um, we've really talked about these leaks, because <laughs> we kind of have <laughs> known what's going on, right, since yeah. that
1: giant Raptor lake i mean the i big, put
0: out months ago
1: the big difference is i don't think there was mention of the 12 e cores no. in the past which that's uh, that's not like a huge deal in my mind
0: though nor nor like when you heard about that you were probably like oh that makes sense yeah you know it's <laughs> yeah. like a, it's not a huge surprise there um so yeah the only is i think the only other thing we could really discuss about this is so what do we think about what's going to happen here what we have is right now, I believe the i7-13700K is like a hair behind the 7900X in multi-threading while being pretty similar single-threading. Now it's going to be like 5% better single-threading than before, so slightly beating the 12-core out of AMD. And multi-threading, that gets eh, maybe 10% worse than a 13900K. This is, you know, 400. I think this is going to be a pretty good value chip. The only concern I have is it's like, Right, but we've seen the 7900X hit 350 with free RAM recently. Like, is there a chance by the time this comes out for 450 AMD AMD's going to have something $50 cheaper that's basically the same performance, or $100 cheaper?
1: Well, when it comes to gaming, when it comes to CPU pricing, honestly, I'm just at a point where I feel like anything's possible. Um, if people complain about the graphics market pricing a lot, but I think the, the CPU market is been really exceptional <laughs> lately like where. this
0: is a great time to build a piece and i've heard by the way ever since and i've reported it in videos ever since sen4 had those fire sale deals that at least at micro centers i'll say they're selling gangbusters like they can't they're actually selling incredibly well it was dumb amd launched the 7900x for 550 i don't know why they did that but at 400 with free ram people can't get enough of these things
1: yeah, so, so I, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. If it's if the pricing is the same for Raptor Lake Plus versus original Raptor Lake, then at least as things stands right now, yeah, that i seven is going to be great value. And I actually think there could be a problem where with only four fewer e cores, there's not really that much of a distinction between that and the thirteen, not thirteen, the fourteen nine hundred k. Although the fourteen nine hundred k will clock faster, I suppose
0: right but. and and holding a more stable six gigahertz than the ks does that's that's going to be the gaming winner well kind of Probably. it'll be basically tying the 7800 x 3d while having clearly the best multi-threading performance finally not disputed but clearly the best but again though i'm like yeah but if it's 650 7950 950 x is like 500 bucks you really spend the extra 150 bozos dan <laughs> to get something that uses double the energy and is ten percent better, some people will. But that is the one concern I would have with Intel. Is I keep hearing that these AMD chips, and by the way, the five thousand six hundred X three D, which I actually hey. have one right here, um, that thing, like I've heard that has like thirty to forty percent profit margin, like crazy profit margins on there. Like that, a like and Intel stuff, they're basically selling at cost. So I can't imagine. I don't know. Well, I mean, AMD is making money at these things. And, and in fact, Microcenters, at least, and Best Buys, and everyone else I talked to, they're saying the AMD products are making us more money too. So we like advertising them more. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's just, I just think it's going to be tricky still for Intel, where AMD can probably this fall go, hey, the 7800X3D, this is now 350, same performance as the 14900KS in games, same performance. 350 half the price half a third the power consumption <laughs> you know are you really gonna get this for multi-threading or i don't know that's the one concern i have with intel here uh, but at least it drops into the same platform that's they've been selling so
1: well it, yeah but I, I mean that's the thing with the, the like 7800 x3d really can be a killer where if they want to drop that thing to 350 that might be possible uh later this year and yeah that could take the wind out of it uh intel sales a lot
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i guess we'll just have to see but i i guess my overall point by bringing all of that up isn't that this isn't a, an increase i mean look this is you know a better increase than a lot of increases we've seen in the past this is better than zen plus raptor like refresh better than zen plus over zen one wouldn't you say yeah I mean, pretty easily. Like That was like 7 to 10% better. This is like 8 to 15% better. So this is better than that. Uh, it's just, don't forget that AMD's already selling their stuff for 30% cheaper. And I don't, I think Intel had to launch this generation or they were going to get clobbered in sales this fall. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying is they're basically treading water and keep, keeping the status quo price to performance wise. They're not changing that much on the ground. Um all right, now let us then, though, move on to some changes. I guess I don't have to change the lights because we're still on the Intel streak here. Uh, in story number six, Meteor Lake apparently uses Alchemist Plus. All right, so in that video recorded by yours truly a couple of weeks ago, it was also the second leak in there confirmed that Meteor Lake will... Come with 128 execution units of Alchemist Plus, you can clearly see a different-looking vector engine on the slide and references to dual render-slice scalability, seeming to suggest, as one source told me, that Alchemist Plus is kind of a in-between generation between Alchemist and Battlemage, just like RDNA 3.5 will be with Strix Point, uh, which is very exciting because when I heard that it was downgraded from Battlemage, and let's be very clear about this, Years ago, the original plan, I was told by people working on Meteor Lake that it was 192 execution units of Battle Mage, but it seems like somewhere around a year ago, and I just now noticed, that got downgraded, and I was worried it was downgraded to just Alchemist, but it being Alchemist Plus is a little exciting, because that does support them that this will still probably beat Phoenix and, you know, integrated graphics performance, the driver's work um and i guess what i'd also though add on top of confirming that we now have 128 execution units of alchemist plus let me remind you also that arrow lake was leaked by a door tv first and then i also l- released some information on that as well to be using 320 execution units a battle uh, of celestial so think about it all right so Meteor Lake was supposed to have 192 execution units of Battle Mage. Now it sounds like Arrow Lake's getting 192 execution units. I'm, I'm gonna- starting to wonder if what's going on is Meteor Lake is getting a downgraded Alchemist Plus chip. Arrow Lake's going to get 192 execution units of Battle Mage. And then whatever, which are, depending on which one you're looking at, probably Panther Lake is going to get 320 execution units of Celestial. It kind of seems like the GPU tile in these SOCs is a gen behind because ARC isn't doing well. Or so I guess minimum, that's also what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, or at a minimum well, yeah, it's probably a full gen because I don't I don't know how well, or at a minimum half a generation behind. I mean, it seems right. like everything is at least thirty percent weaker than what they were hoping it would be from the graphics tile, which is unfortunate because if they could have had that battle mage tile on meteor like that would have been a beast in performance for an APU.
0: Oh, yeah. You would have been looking at something that, yeah, I mean, probably totally goes head head, head or even beats Strix, you know, something like that. But instead, what we're looking at is something that narrowly beats Phoenix. And then Arrow Lake's performance is probably going to narrowly beat Strix while coming out later, but definitely lose to Strix Halo a ton. And it's unfortunate, you know, but I guess... It's good to know that Meteor Lake isn't literally using Alchemist. It's using a much, it's using an upgraded graphics engine, and but and then I, I guess the only other thing I would add though is the base tile for Meteor Lake, Arrow Lake, and I believe Panther Lake is the same. So it is conceivable that Meteor Lake will launch with Alchemist Plus, and if Battle of Mage is ahead of schedule and Arrow Lake is delayed a little, they'll bring in the Battle Mage tile to Meteor Lake before it's over.
1: Oh. Hmm. I've talked to people about
0: this. This is totally a possibility and they could do the same with Celestial to Arrow Lake. It's possible this will happen. Now, The people I spoke to also think this is unlikely though, so (laughs) do not take this as me confirming that, but I do think that's worth pointing out too, like where some things can happen where like, is this cancelled? Are they using this tile? Technically, these base tiles can use all of these upcoming battle mage, Alchemist Plus, and Celestial architectures that I'm leaking and that Adored is leaked too. So like it's totally conceivable there's Tests that have been done with one of them before the other's ready. All of these can be compatible. It really just comes down to when ARC, if ARC gets its act together, what these upcoming things will use.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I would be a little bit surprised if that happened at like the end of Meteor Lake, unless Aero Lake were delayed and they had to come in with a refresh generation. That's what on someone Lake.
0: basically told me too. Aero okay. Lake should be coming out soon enough that that seems unnecessary. But if Aero Lake would be delayed to 2025, and then BattleMage was a little ahead of schedule. You could see like mid next year a BattleMage tile dropping into like a meteor like yeah. refresh.
1: Which, not to sound pessimistic about Intel, but I'm never uh, at this point. I- I'm never at this point uh, expecting them to ma- meet uh, a-, a-, a goal date. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, or, or beat it, beat their goal date at a minimum. Yeah, you know, yeah. Well, speaking of missing uh release dates, let us move on to story number seven. Battle Mage Leak reconfirms a nerf generation with potentially just one die. Of the three leak pillars holding up the Moore's Law's Dead Leak video from a couple weeks ago, the new Battle Mage info is the last of the pillars that we will be covering in this episode. In summary, Battle Mage supports PCIe 5.0, and it goes up to at least GDDR 6X. Now, I have old roadmaps that show GD- GDDR 6, but I'm told that new designs being tested use 6X, but I want to point out it's conceivable that it'll use GDDR 7 with how delayed this thing is coming out, because the second point, it is planned to launch to desktop second half of 2024, from what I'm told. There's Whoa. a narrow chance I think I heard Battle Mage could come out like at the very beginning. Now, it's second half of next year. You should be hoping for July at the soonest, which is quite a while after Alchemist. Um, by then, I would expect it to use GDDR7 if they want any chance of being competitive. And actually, number three, the only die still in full co- progression that all sources confirm should come out in some manner, at least a laptop, is a low-end 253-millimeter-squared 4-nanometer die 320 execution units a 192 bit bus and 12 or 8 gigabytes of ram plan and then there's also a cut down 256 execution unit model that with a 128 bus bit bus being tested uh meanwhile there is a 362 millimeter squared 448 execution unit die with a 256 bit bus still under some active development. But according to at least half of the sources I've talked to connected to this project, they think that top model is all but canceled and is going to be canceled. And at a minimum, this thing used to be a a bigger design with more execution units. So the fact that it's now down to less execution units than the A770 is a pretty bad sign and points to even if this does coming out, Intel is being less ambitious than they were with Alchemist. And so there you go what was leaked last year by this channel where I asked if you should put a fork and arc remains true. It seems only one battle mage die is fully confirmed, and most say will be two, and the top one is less ambitious than Alchemist, and it still kind of feels like ARK is effectively canceled here, with dwindling support and um, aggressiveness going down in the generations as things keep getting basically more and more reduced in scope. And to the people that would say, well, come on, though. I mean, a 253 millimeter squared die. That's almost the same die size as the 4070. Right. But it's still aiming to use 12 gigabytes in 2024. That can only be thought of as low end by then, in my opinion. And right. it's using four nanometer around when AMD will probably have three nanometer or, or at least much advanced four nanometer RDNA4 designs. And NVIDIA is going to have their Blackwell and possibly something else besides Blackwell as well ready at the time. Like, the, all of these—it's just like when people would go four hundred millimeters squared, six nanometer. Sounds like Alchemist is high end, right? If it launched in twenty twenty one, but it's not. It's launching late twenty twenty two. A four nanometer die of these sizes in late twenty twenty four. This is going to be low end or mid range at best. So, I guess there it is. You know, not that much has changed from what I leaked uh, earlier this year, but uh, or I think that yeah, I think that fork one may have been at the beginning of this year, but. I'm basically just adding more details to what was leaked. It just still doesn't look good.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's like if all they launch is a two fifty millimeter die halfway through next year, it's like what? So they'll be competing with like a forty sixty, or 40, or yeah, forty sixty Ti a year and a half or a year after it comes out. That's not a big accomplishment. And I don't know if they manage to get a three hundred sixty two millimeter die out. competes with a 4070 ti maybe i don't know maybe it might just compete with a 4070 though who knows like it it, based on the die size of uh alchemist versus what was coming out at the time it's definitely alchemist at least definitely underperformed for its die size maybe that won't be the case for uh battle mage but i see no reason why to believe it wouldn't be the case yeah even it's just even if they manage to get that second die out that would be more optimistic but it's still all right you can compete mid-range and that's about it yeah yeah
0: and you know i want to be clear too i know it's battle mage. i know it's a new generation so there's hope that millimeter squared to millimeter squared versus the competition maybe they'll be competing at more uh, closer to a parity level but it's too early for me to say about celestial but i i um I only I, I only hear bad things about Battle Mage development. Like mm. it's not getting what they want again. So, and and the fact that Meteor Lake isn't using it a year after Alchemist came out is a bad sign. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I don't know what else to say about that. You know, you know, I stand by Arc is effectively canceled. Intel is not in, uh, <laughs> competing with Ultra Enthusiast in twenty twenty three. That's what they said they were going to do, guys. They haven't launched the A five eighty. Where is the A five eighty? What if NVIDIA announced the 4060 and just never launched it? Like, you know, and then never said anything about it. It's crazy. And Raj is gone. AXG is in limbo. I've heard tons of... Because, you know, where do you... My sources are people at Intel. They will tell me things like, you know, half the people I knew that worked in the AXG division are gone now. I've moved to other companies. It just doesn't sound good. I think you should really expect one to two low-end and mid-range dies whimpering out in low volume every year and then we just can hope by druid they reboot the thing but every two years
1: is but it's not
0: going to be a big competitor in graphics what this will be is a way for intel to bundle stuff in server and laptop sometimes not a real competitor that competes in pricing again let's remember the a750 i saw uh, keep seeing articles like this the a750 hits new crazy prices 180 dollars. The 6600 has been $180 for a fucking month, guys. <laughs> Intel is just copying AMD's price drops a month after they do them. This isn't adding any competition to graphics.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, no. And, and I don't know, maybe three And that's three what generation. I mean when I
0: say effectively canceled. They aren't competing. They aren't lowering prices. They aren't helping.
1: Maybe uh, by the time Druid is out, or whatever comes after Druid, hopefully they get their ass in gear and they have an actual decent graphics card come out. But I don't know. It's Battle Mage doesn't look good. Ho- hopefully they turn it around before Druid. But if they don't, well, I think regardless if they actually manage to make a high end card, they just need to call it something else. But
0: <laughs> I yeah, and I've been very outspoken about this. If Druid is a killer and it actually works perfectly and it competes in cost, die size, comes out on a competitive timeline, don't call it Druid reboot your brand yeah we all complain about how amd reboots their naming and marketing for radeon way too often well you know what four years or so, like it's time to start over on this one though yeah if it's actually good um and i will say there is a reason amd clearly redid their branding for rdna1 because they were finally competitive in efficiency with nvidia again mm-hmm. if that happens with intel call it something else yeah but i think we can all agree the 200 series and had no reason to have its name change from seven thousand. That that was stupid. Um,
1: Who knows why they did that? <laughs>
0: I don't know. That one that one really was the weird one from AMD. Um, but you know the one other thing I'll bring up is a quote from that um, that leak about Battlemage Two that I forgot to mention. I I just want to be clear that the OEMs and AIBs that I talk to uh, say that if battle mage is supposedly coming out a year from now they have no info on it Mm -hmm. anything what they need to do to support it what time frame volume laptops will be compatible with whereas a year before alchemist came out they knew almost everything and they're like so battle mage is coming out in a year we will be blown (laughs) away because from what we can tell it is nowhere near along in progression to where it needs to be Mm -hmm. um anyways though That is the final story of this episode. For the first half of this year, have you felt like a dog chasing its tail as you scour CD websites and eBay to find any place you can get reasonably priced Microsoft products? Well, you don't need to do that anymore. Just go to CDKeyOffer.com, the best place to get Microsoft operating systems, office products, select games, and even some gaming hardware peripherals for reasonable prices. Prices. And, you know, they're always doing special promotions. Right now, in fact, they are doing their mid-year sales event that you're not going to want to miss. So whether you're looking for Steam, EA, Uplay, or PlayStation keys, or, of course, Microsoft products or gaming peripherals, support Moore's Law is Dead by using the offer code BROKENSILICON for 25% off all Microsoft products and DieShrink for 3% off everything else on the website. Support Moore's Law is Dead by supporting one of our best long-term sponsors, cdkeyoffer.com today. Let us move on now to the final wrap-up. This is, of course, the stories that we don't believe needed to be a main story with a full conversation, but are definitely worth mentioning. And we have quite a lot of them for this episode, it turns out. So the first one here is, and this was kind of funny when it happened, I had an Intel NUC ad in the last Broken Silicon episode. The day Intel killed its NUC division, <laughs> so I guess that's gone too. And I remember some of my contacts talking about how cool these like Skull Canyon and other like NUC modular designs were, uh, and they are cool. Like I have some around here somewhere. I don't know where the other one is, um, but I, I have these Intel NUCs that are really high end looking, really coolly designed. Um, it's And, of course, there will still be NUX out there. They're just not going to be officially supported by Intel with any real requirements or specs. And, I don't know, I guess this is just yet another casualty of Intel killing off stuff it doesn't need. Like, most people don't even know this exists, so.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think NUX really ever took off that much, like... specifically from intel to the consumer i mean mini pc is obviously like a class of pc that a bunch of people get and at the end of the day it's not going to be too damaging i think because there are still companies that are making good mini pcs but
0: right without needing any official support from amd or something
1: yeah so I, i at the end of the day i think it will be fine but
0: um ryzen 5 7500f surfaces possibly uh well so this is interesting here Let me see what the specs say on this one. Yeah, the GPU mode. Yeah. So this is a weird one. It seems like people think the 7500F is either little Phoenix yields disabled for desktop or something, or of course what you would expect is the disabled integrated graphics on it. Um, And it seems like this would be like a six core, 12 thread, but four of the cores boost lower. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Little Phoenix used for desktop with like the integrated graphics disabled or cut down massively. I don't know. It's interesting.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, you- it'll be interesting to see it, <laughs> if that is uh, just coming to desktop before like anybody actually talks about it. But
0: yeah. I, again, there's a reason this isn't a main story. I just thought it was worth pointing out this thing might be coming out. It might even use Little Phoenix. Um, additionally, Uh, This was something we should have had on the wrap-up the last news episode, but I forgot to add it. But more roadmaps have emerged showing Granite Ridge with Navi 3.5 for AM5, suggesting that the IO die um, for Zen 5 on desktop It's going to probably have some minor updates for little Mm -hmm. accelerators and faster RAM support. But it might also go from two RDNA 2 cores to two or four RDNA 3.5 graphics cores, which I will say this is an old enough looking roadmap that I don't know if this is recent. And I do know a lot of stuff has been reduced in scope. But Mm -hmm. I think it's worth pointing out that That seemed like common sense to me. If they're going to update the IO die, like you might as well use the same IO die for Zen four and Zen five. Or if you're going to update it with new accelerators, you might as well give it RDNA three point five. I think.
1: Yeah, I like you said. uh, If it has a slightly updated RDNA three point five, that's less interesting than the fact that just the fact that they're updating the IO die at all. Which, like you said, sounds like they could be making bigger upgrades, which would be cool.
0: Yeah. Um, Also. Uh, the next one here. Gigabyte is apparently preparing a triple fan, low profile RTX 4060, like 4060, like one that can fit in a small form factor, like desk, like business case with a half mm-hmm. width graphics card. I think that's interesting looking. Although I would say that almost suggests the 4060 should really be called the 4050
1: that and to go back to one of the themes of this episode it's a little annoying how over designed so many of these graphics cards are when this doesn't look like uh, this li- looks like a pretty uh strong cooler for a uh low profile well, but it has an eight
0: pin even though it's a profile which is interesting
1: but it, yeah I know like this is isn't like a low profile card from like 2012 where there's like a little like 40 millimeter fan on it or something like this is a, a well-built card, but they can fit it in low profile. We're just wasting a bunch of freaking copper. And, uh, I don't remember what the fins are. Oh, steel probably. Well,
0: yeah, but I think this will use a hundred <laughs> Watts, Dan, not 75 Watts. Yeah, I know. So it's they're just... tiny baby fans. I don't know,
1: but it's three tiny baby fans. <laughs>
0: I know. Could they probably make do with two? I I don't know. I might disagree with you, Dan. I, I don't know if it's dumb or not, uh, no, or I should say necessary or not, but it might be good for a 100-watt card since they're one-fourth the size of the fan to have three of them.
1: No, I'm saying to compare this to the uh, larger gpus that are currently on the market that they can manage to make a 4060 get be cooled by this little thing and oh, i'm sure it's you're lo-
0: saying it the other way yeah. i just assume you're saying three equals bad what you're saying is guys they're making a 4060 low profile none of them need to be the size of a 4090
1: yeah and like this looks I'm better bu- this looks better built than most low pro- profile gpus i've seen in the past but still this is dumb <laughs> these cards are dumb they can make a they can make it these things smaller and fit into smaller cases. Like look at this thing. The forty like, sixty could cute. be
0: like this size the entire time and the forty seventy could be the size of yeah, I know. Yeah. I see I, what you're saying. Yeah. I I don't know This is proof I, that all these other coolers are a waste of space.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know how many of these they're going to make. I don't think many people even make low profile cases at this point, but it's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. But again you would agree with me right well this kind of suggests this should be called a 4050
1: though right one <laughs> one could certainly say that tom the, that they're up half a half to a full thing, uh section segment with, segment with every freaking car that's come out this year
0: all right so i thought this was interesting too gpd is launching a 7600 mxt so a more efficient 7600 uh, and basically a small power brick looking thing that can plug into any laptop with Thunderbolt or Oculink to add a more powerful graphics card. I, don't, I think that's pretty odd. That's pretty interesting.
1: Uh, I mean, GPD is an interesting company where they make a bunch of products that I probably wouldn't spend the money on them. because. But they're, I think, the most interesting company that's like making portable like laptop, like really small laptop designs and stuff like that. And desktop replacements um like this is expensive but this is really cool to pair with yeah i was gonna laptop. say
0: i'm just looking at this right now um like it's a cool idea but it eight at 700 six, well 655 for the crowdfunding and then 800 for retail 800 for retail to get an rx 7600 even if you're adding that to the laptop guys, I can get a 7600 and build an entire desktop for the price of this brick. And anytime people point out eGPUs, I go, it just always seems like the overall package is twice the price it should be. If this was $400, so you're getting a 7600 and all of the other accoutrement, sure. But at 800, uh, uh, for these reasons, sharks, I'm out.
1: Yeah, the eGPU thing is, it's always, it's constantly almost really cool, but I, I just think it needs to be two hundred dollars cheaper than what it is on average for it to start making sense in my mind. Yeah. Um, also,
0: it seems the ASUS ROG Ally has an overheating issue that causes SD card readers to not the SD card reader in it to not work.
1: Um, that's unfortunate. I mean, I think we agreed that the Ally versus the uh, Steam Deck was the Steam Deck kind of wins out, but. Eh, I, I thought it was better engineered than that. Hopefully they can solve the issue.
0: Yeah, I do not much to add. It's just kind of news there. Um, and also Ratchet and Clank minimum requirements are out there. And this is an interesting one because they are claiming at 720p30, you can get the game to work with a hard drive, which, you know, we talked, you know, actually, I think we talked about this offline that, Mm-hmm. because they had said it's coming to PC and they'll have minimum requirements out soon. And I said to you, I believe we are playing age of empires or something. You know what, Dan, I think there's going to be people that claim, Oh, see, this doesn't need the SSD to run. And I'm going to have to tell everybody on a podcast guys. It's running in 4k. And, and that's why it needs the PlayStation five SSD. If you want to have, stuttering and running 720p30 at minimum eight, settings
1: <laughs> eight times lower resolution
0: like <laughs> yeah maybe you don't need an ssd then you know
1: yeah but i i just think uh it's important to keep in mind we are talking about ps360 gen levels of uh performance on that one uh, 720p to be able to move the assets FPS. in
0: fast enough and so, we don't know if it'll even work really you know it says ssd recommended i've seen plenty of games say ssd recommended and people booted it up and they're like effectively this game doesn't work with a hard drive (laughs) unless you have 64 gigabytes of ram um so so i don't know i mean and then of course the ultimate ray tracing mode they want you to have probably one of the faster ssds and 32 gigabytes of ram which again remember if you program a game correctly yeah you might not need the playstation 5's ssd but you still need a decently fast SSD and then double the RAM to make up for that or triple the RAM total because they're saying you want at least a 4080. So at least 16 gigabyte graphics card, 32 gigabytes of DRAM. So you're looking at 48 gigabytes. Yeah, you're looking at triple the RAM of the PS5 to be able to run you know, the maximum settings. That, that's not really a surprise to me they, can, they could get that to work. Although we're going to have to wait for reviews because for all I know, The 720p mode will run better than expected, or the top mode will run worse. So really, until we see it, I don't know.
1: I will also just say, I do like how they uh, actually explain what the specifications mean at each level. Where it's like, when we say hi, we're telling you 1440p, 60 FPS. Where a lot of games, is just like we have minimum and recommended specs, and we don't tell you what either of those mean. Yeah.
0: Well... All right, moving on to another thing on the uh, wrap-up here. Court documents basically prove, like, state authoritatively the PlayStation Five Slim is launching late this year for three ninety-nine, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would assume they might late. want to drop
0: that to three fifty, but
1: yeah, it's a bit late. But uh, I mean, previous gen bra- basically never got a price cut, so later is better than never.
0: Yeah. Yeah, last gen, didn't really get one until very late in the generation. You know, and this will be late 2023. So that, yeah, so that's three years later. That's, that's about, that's maybe a little later than usual, but it's actually, now that I think about it, not that crazy. That might be firmly halfway through the generation, the Slim comes out. And we know from angstronomics that they have been using, um you know, six nanometer dies for a while here. Mm -hmm. I continue to think that what Sony did is they said, there's no need for us to sell an overpriced variant for a long time and then do the redesign, the die shrinking, everything at once. Every year they've been releasing a console that seems to be 10% cheaper to manufacture. And then they even went to six nanometer before they're doing a slim. So I think that all of this is just, they've been doing this, P- little by little, and it's three years later that it's all done at the same time, and they just didn't feel the need to wait. So I don't know. I, I actually heard that it was going to come out early this year, so it's it's still coming out later than I was told, but I guess you know <laughs> it's still coming. Um, also, we have PlayStation VR two now, supposedly in limited ways, supported on PC to run Half Life Alex. So it seems like modders already fast at it, getting PSVR two to work on PC. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me, honestly, if in a year from now it was at a pretty good working level.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would never, I'll. I, well, we'll see if it ever gets to a level where it, it does just work. But I would never assume you can buy PSVR for PC, but it would be cool if they actually got it fully functional.
0: It'd be nice if there was just a minimal thing you had to do and it just worked. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be a good option. Um, I still think it's, a little, it's too expensive, though. They're going to have to drop that price. Um, and then finally on the wrap up here, we have the MS Activision at Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard updates, which I feel like we're getting a new update on this every day. So we didn't make this a new story because of that, because let's be honest, guys, we're not, you know, equipped or I want to get in an expert before I say anything. And I keep seeing things like, oh, you know, all fanboys on one side claim it's dead. Fanboys on another side. oh it's definitely done then there's a repeal then the repeal struck down then there's the uk then we have a deal signed for activision blizzard to allow call of duty on playstation i think we always knew it was probably going to happen um there's updates every day and until i can get Hogue or another kind of legal expert on to talk about this i think let's wait another few weeks before we really let's wait for it to all be done That's what I think. I don't know if you have any short-term thoughts, though, on the Microsoft Activision deal uh, possibly actually going through, which it did seem like it was dead to me, at least a month ago.
1: It it did, but the FTC pushed it through, so uh, it looks like the other regulatory bodies might cave, which is unfortunate. Mm -hmm. I will also say I do like Phil Spencer's phrasing of this tweet where... Following the acquisition of Activision Blizzard, PlayStation has signed an agreement to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. We look forward to a future where players globally have more choice to play their favorite games. To me, it's like he he's congratulating Sony for not getting shot by his company. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, look at, look at uh, 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 this future where we're securing games for everyone because we decided to not do that.
0: <laughs> for now for now yeah yeah Yeah, i i want to hold any long-term discussion on this for more stuff to come out and to get an expert on here uh but you know i think you know when you look at like the micro the sony buying bungee thing it's like well that was for the online help and that's not really to make any exclusives but there are a lot of long-term like you know sony's thinking yeah they might not do it in a few years or if they do it in five start moving exclusives over that they said they wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um you know, kind of from what I've heard about Starfield actually is that uh that was going to be marketed heavily on PlayStation was the rumor. And then Microsoft dropped in and was huh. like, We got it, we gotta get not just this, but we gotta get all of
1: <laughs> Well at, I, I, I know, think there were definitely signs that uh there were Bethesda, a-
0: we need to get Bethesda and stop this from happening. And that's why they overpaid that much for it.
1: Well, there were definitely signs that uh, Sony and Bethesda were start- starting to get in bed with each other before the deal happened, like with the Deathloop exclusivity.
0: Right, because there was Deathloop, and I heard you know, I heard rumors that Sony was trying to secure Starfield as well, for, maybe even as a PlayStation exclusive. I think this is what <laughs> Microsoft, wild. Microsoft came in and said, we can't let that happen.
1: I'm very glad that didn't happen with Starfield, because Bethesda games need to be completed by modders, so... <laughs>
0: Yeah, they need. Yeah, you should only be playing Bethesda Studio games on PC because that's the only place it's probably going to work. Which, yeah. when we see it's running thirty frames on Xbox, I continue to be right about this in my <laughs> opinion. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just don't like seeing these companies buy it more stuff either way. And, and you know, Sony's sitting there going, "Okay, well, if we ever need to make another one of these things exclusive, we now own a bunch of stuff, and you can bet they're probably going for Square Enix now pretty hard."
1: Yeah, I mean, Square Enix, I, I know Square Enix is way smaller than Activision, but that would still be a giant purchase that I don't want to happen either.
0: Yeah, and anyone that would make the argument, well, this is a devastation for PlayStation, it's like, guys, they're still going to have Call of Duty on PlayStation, and uh, I think if PlayStation buys Square Enix, they don't need any more games. All you're going to have is a situation where you need to own multiple devices to play every game when they come out. Yeah. Yeah. They have enough games to secure their future already, frankly. You know, look at all the games coming out right now. Like Final Fantasy 16 isn't even a, uh, owned by them, and it's on them right now. And what they launched, Horizon, God of War this year, there's already enough games on PlayStation. So we're just entering into our future where both of these companies get into an annoying arms race. And I, it blows my mind to see anyone rooting for these mega corporations getting more, bigger. It's just crazy to me. I agree. Yay! <laughs> Consolidation of power. Duh. Like, I honestly don't know how brain dead or how uh, how dead as a person you'd have to be to be rooting for this, but <laughs> I don't know. Here we go. Every company's just gonna keep getting more powerful and making things annoying for us. Uh, Gustafino Goose writes in and says, Hi, Tom and Dam. I've seen issues being raised about FTC chairs' motives in the Activision deal i think it's pretty suspicious the ftc wants to stick to an american mega corporation in favor of a japanese one do you think it's sustainable for sony to keep the ftc and cma on their payroll uh, this just read to me as a bizarre conspiracy theory question doesn't it to you dan
1: yeah especially given the fact that the ftc just uh, pushed it through so did microsoft buy them last minute or something or or what's your your theory here
0: I, and that, and I brought up this question. Thank you for writing in. Thank you for your support. But I just think the accusations of these companies. Now, look, when Microsoft buys Blizzard, they actually bought Blizzard. But these accusations that behind the scenes, AMD, Sony, Microsoft are like paying people and bri- like these weird, unproven accusations and conspiracy theories behind the scenes, guys. It's getting a little out of control.
1: <laughs> I, I would suggest uh, when you're formulating a question, uh, if you're presuming something is true that hasn't been proven to be true, you're asking a leading question, which is inherently bad faith. So maybe don't do that. But
0: <laughs> Yeah, but I don't have anything else to say beside that. I just wanted to read that and go, guys, not just when this, but on other recent stories we've had to cover, bring it down on the conspiracy theories a little bit. Um, the Forbidden Juice <laughs> writes in. He says, hi, Tom and Dan. I know in the past you mentioned your lack of enthusiasm for EVGA products due to experience. I'd say in general, people seem to see EVGA PSUs as high quality. People seem to. However, with recent info from Gamers Nexus about EVGA slowly phasing basically everything they make out of the markets, which PSU brand do you see as high quality? And he says, PS, I agree. I don't think Raid Max is Everyone seems to agree, Raid Max is terrible because I got back. I got one back when I didn't know better, and I'm lucky mine didn't catch fire when it failed. <laughs> seems like a rite of passage having like a Raid Max power supply fail for PC builders. Um, you know, it, it, this is something I talked with my last guest, the a digital audio workstation company owner and builder. Like at the end of the day, we all have the brands we like, but we try to look for good reviews and good deals. I can tell you what I've had luck with. Corsair. Never had one fail. Used a dozen of them for mining rigs, building PCs for other people. They don't fail. I even ran some of them uh, 10, like 10% like ten above the wattage they're supposed to supply for a year straight because I was stupid. I don't know. Uh, and penny-pinched too much, I think, with some of my mining rigs like five years ago. But uh, they didn't fail. At most, what would happen is it would turn off and I'd have to bump down the clocks on everything. But I've had... I, I just don't want to name it because I don't want to get into this. Shit-throwing contest, but I had other brands, some of them with 10-year warranties, and they failed 10% below the wattage they said they would supply, and then brought down a component with it. I've never had a Corsair one do that, Um, and they always seem to—and if you look at the back, uh, the amperage and the wattage they supply, they tend to under— market the wattage their power supplies will do like almost being too honest whereas raid max is like yeah it's a 1000 watt power supply with a single six pin for some reason (laughs) you know whereas corsair is like yeah if you add up all the rails and and amps it can actually probably supply 900 watts instead of 800 but we think this is really for 800 watts so i at least recommend corsair
1: yeah i know corsair is typically viewed as the best i mean i have a lot less more limited experience with power supplies and i think the two i've had were both rosewell which have served me fine so far but i know rosewell is a more hit or miss brand because i, I looked into them a little I've bit i've had and one
0: th- fail before you know i think they're decent for a budget brand
1: i, I i've looked at, i looked into them a little bit it's they dual source from multiple manufacturers because they're net uh I almost say netflix new eggs in-house brand and one of the, the companies they source from is good, and one of them is mediocre.
0: <laughs> right. And that is actually, I don't know if you listened to that episode, Dan, something the DAW engineer brought up. As he oh. said, well, I look for the OEM that makes the power supply, not the brand on it. And he said, there was one that I liked a lot, and then I had failures, and I went, oh, they're dual sourcing one. They were even <laughs> dual sourcing one of the same models, apparently.
1: Oh, that's uh, really bad.
0: Oh, I know, and he didn't. He didn't. He did the same thing I did. He didn't want to say which one, but you know, I I, I think Rose. I've had decent. Um, I've never had. I've had Rosewill fail. I've never had one break a component with it, whereas I did with an EVGA one, uh, mm-hmm. and with another one that was terrible. I mean, <laughs> you know, like yeah. so. I'll just say I think Rosewill's typically good for budget, but don't push it hard. And I think. In my experience, Corsair is legendary, and, I, and and the other ones that people recommend as equal have not been, and I've used dozens of these things, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and, and all the other ones, you know, hit or miss for me. I don't even remember the names of them. I've had to send back several power supplies. I don't remember the names of the other ones, though. Yeah. But, you know, never a Corsair for me. I've had good luck in the U.S. with them, at least. Um, Root Knight writes in and he says enthusiasts tend to say that gaming is too expensive nowadays and it's pushing people out of the hobby but to me it seems more that PC gaming as a whole is cheaper than ever but the high end enthusiast level has shifted up more than most people could keep up with and there's a vocal section of people that don't want to accept they can't get top of the line stuff anymore. Do you have any thoughts on this? Well, we kind of danced around this conversation uh, you know Earlier here, and this is actually going to be a key cornerstone of what I want to talk about with my guest on the next episode. um Yeah, I think things aren't as bad as people say. SSDs are crazy cheap, even the fast ones. RAM is cheaper than ever. uh Even some fast RAMs reasonably priced. They're giving away thirty-two gigabytes of RAM with seventy-nine hundred Xs, basically all Zen four CPUs, and even the Raptor Lake i seven. 13700k which the 13700k is my favorite raptor like chip. I have one in the test system. I recommend it for the right price. Like CPUs, RAM, uh SSDs are at great pricing levels. But yeah, there's not $100 gaming CPUs really anymore.
1: The the market the market uh, has just shifted where the bottom of the market is for CPUs like $100 more than what it used to be. And GPUs, it's yeah, probably about 100 to $150 more than what it used to be. Uh, but if you if,
0: account for that, CPUs are better than ever, above that price. And GPUs could use a little work, but a lot of the RDNA 2 and RDNA 3 ones are kind of getting to what you would expect, especially if you adjust for inflation.
1: Yeah, and, and if you're willing to uh, get last-gen parts, which eh, that, that's just wet the bottom of the market at is, uh, I mean, that's just what occupies the bottom of the market now is last-gen uh, mid-range parts, is you can still pretty easily build a computer. Like, I, I looked at it today. Like, you can pretty easily build a computer still for, like, 800 bucks, and that's going to do really well in 1080p slash 1440p. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, that's not the, terrible. I mean, I, I, I really don't know if in the past it would have been easier to buy a computer that much cheaper than that anyways like yeah in like 2012 you could probably could have got if you're going for like an ultra budget build you probably could get away with 600 all used parts but those a lot of those parts wouldn't be very good
0: well but we're not talking about used yet if you're talking about used parts and i go on ebay right now let me just check you can get a 5700xt for 150 145 yeah you can like 5700 xd that's 6600 performance for 145 i mean and if you if ray tracing is a must-have thing i mean you can get a 2070 for close to that same price and it's pretty similar performance a little weaker but it supports ray tracing and dlss Mm -hmm. um and then i mean if you go to the cpus i mean i'm actually kind of curious like the pricing on some of these will be like what about an let's see yeah like an r5 r7 5800 or something A used 5800 and yeah, there's some for 150 that's not the best point but you know on uh, there's some for 130 so i don't know yeah it's not 100 but you can i mean we're not even accounting for inflation here and you can get like a zen 38 core like something close a little weaker than the consoles though but for like 150 I don't know i I think the market is overall better but yes there's not like good sub 200 hundred dollar parts really that are new anymore and or
1: it's very rare that those exist unless you're willing to go like two generations back with like a cpu or something if those are even still available (laughs) but
0: But yeah so I, i honestly think things are back to normal for the most part with the exception that you still have some wonky pricing from nvidia on a few parts And then there's the sub $200 market's basically dead and eight gigabyte VRAM issue complicates it. But prices keep going down. So I think we're close. We're not as good as the best days, but we're, we're, I think we're as good or better than 2019.
1: Well, I I just think the other thing, the fact, keep in mind with um, the current market is where like the Big components that everybody likes talking about—a bunch of CPUs and GPUs—are generally speaking up over the last past few years. I think other parts are down uh, a lot,
0: actually. Yeah, yeah
1: where it's like as like you can get 16 gigs of DDR4 right now for 35 bucks. Um, yeah. <laughs> so like stuff like that's down a lot. SSD prices are down a lot. Power supply prices are a bit up, I think and like versus
0: it, a couple of years ago but remember they were yeah. overproducing those for miners so that yeah. was when the power supply might uh crash they're still way cheaper than you remember in, in 2012 when we were building our pcs uh like a 650 watt was like a hundred dollars or something and now you can get like a plat like a gold 800 watt for that price a lot of the time
1: yeah so it's uh, I was just like saying if you if you take like the totality of all the parts you're getting for a pc I, I think overall the floor is like probably 50 to a hundred bucks higher than what it used to be before like the shortage. But the sea ce- the big difference really is the ceiling is just way higher than what it used to be. And yeah.
0: Well, the floor d- is way higher than it used to be. you I
1: mean, no, the floor is high in pricing is higher, but the ceiling in pricing is way higher. Like if you're building an absurd build, uh, you mm. can spend way more on it than you used to be able to, <laughs> but That's not most people, and I think you you should just accept that. Like you're fine. Most people are fine spending less than a thousand dollars on a GPU, (laughs) and people that are spending more than that just don't really care about saving money that much on that part. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I think I agree. There, it's 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 just you know. I, You know, the comment, I, I pretty much totally agree with it. If you're a high-end shopper, things are basically back to normal. If you're an enthusiast shopper, there's never been cooler things to buy. And if you're in the very low end, though, it, it's gone. And that still probably makes it feel pretty bad to a lot of people. But mm-hmm. yeah, well, I'll be talking about that with my upcoming guests. Don't lose sight on how much a lot of things have improved, though. Like whether you're high or low end. RAM and SSDs being cheaper. SSDs are getting absurd. It's like thirty dollars <laughs> for a terabyte now. Sometimes, like that, has to be a factor, guys. Like, and you have to remember, even ten years ago, power supplies were terrible. <laughs> yeah, like they they were just garbage quality compared to now on average. So. You take what you can get, but I'd say right now is not the worst time ever. It really isn't.
1: I I mean, maybe a 600 watt uh, PSU used to be like 55 and now it's $65 or something, but it's actually not built like shit. So overall, that's better.
0: Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, that's all the stories, all of the uh, reader mails and uh, wrap up stuff we had to talk about, Dan. Any last words for people?
1: I don't think so.
0: Okay, well, just a reminder to everybody, double check that you're subscribed to the Moore's Law is Dead YouTube channel and ring the bell button so you don't miss upcoming content. Um, You know, if you can support us on Patreon, it's just two dollars a month. You'll get a new die shrink. One just came out. I talked to someone at NVIDIA about what DLSS actually requires to function at each level. That's there. Two dollars a month. You get die shrinks every month that are like basically bonus one-hour videos, <laughs> and so that's there for you. You also get to ask guest questions. Higher tiers get broken silicon early and ad-free. Ask me and Dan questions. Free questions on loose ends. There's other stuff there for you as well, including a Discord with uh, quite a lively community. Actually, actually, as Hot Chips is coming up, one of our contributors, Carbon Cry, like does multi-channel like coverage of each presentation and tries to simplify and explain what professors and doctors and engineers are talking about. This really amazing stuff there for you guys if you go to the discord as well um but otherwise i guess the only other thing i would say is uh i'm moving into a new house soon dan is moving soon so i'm gonna say it over the next two months it's gonna be i might not have stuff in the background anymore Mm -hmm. dan might be in a different room we might be in the same room and there might i might just be randomly in blank rooms as i start moving (laughs) and dan's moving uh, but Dan will probably be staying with me for a bit, building a new studio. It's gonna be fun, guys. So yeah, just bear with us. There may be a broken silicon that comes out two days late, two days early, a week where maybe there's one less video than you would have expected. But we're gonna make sure all the content that we promise you, if you're a patron, is there. And if something comes out later or sooner than usual, just bear with us. A lot of life changes going on here. Um, and otherwise, Jesse has been writhing on the ground. For the past five minutes and staring at me and now she's just like leaning into me here jesse this idiot really wants me to give her dinner so i'm gonna okay all right go so <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go and thank you for watching and listening everybody bye this podcast was brought to you by the youtube channel and website Moore's Law laws dead Moore's Law laws dead and broken silicon are trademarks of their creator tom that guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Laws Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, it's not just me. Moore's Laws Dead is a team with Broken Silicon, co-hosted by my brother Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, renders being done by the industrial designer Jean Philippe Clermont, and special assistance is also provided by Carmen and no Sugat as well. Find all of our information at www.moreslawsdead.com on the About/Support page. In the event you do want to hire me for consulting work, hire Gerard for audio work, hire Jean-Philippe for industrial design work, or you're interested in working with Carbon Cry or Kari No Sugata as well, you can also find our long-term sponsors on that page if you want to show them some love for putting food on our tables. Or you can also mail us some love. You can send letters or hardware donations to the following address. Moore's Law is Dead, P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. Although, to be honest, the best way to show Moore's Laws Dead some love is to support us on Patreon. Patrons are what makes Moore's Laws Dead content truly possible every month and really every day depending on who you're talking about me gerard dan and john philippe are working tirelessly to provide a steady stream of content that we could not keep doing unless we knew the work was possible without being reliant on sponsors dictating every little thing we put out don't get us wrong we love our sponsors but we love directly working for you our fans much more. If you have any extra money, even a couple free dollars a month, consider supporting us directly on Patreon. Those couple of monthly dollars will get you access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to ask guest questions, and of course, access to the Morris Laws Dead Discord, full of like-minded people who I am sure would love to meet you i am one of them additionally higher tiers get access to early ad-free episodes of broken silicon the ability to ask questions in all broken silicon episodes and loose ends live streams ahead of the recording and the entire back catalog of moore's law Z dead podcasts in addition to having thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts, depending on the tier with other perks available as well and hey if you cannot afford to support us directly every month, please do share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family and on social media and websites like Reddit, and give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app of choice. All of this does really help us so much, but like I said, this podcast would not be possible without it, the patrons directly providing predictable and reliable support every month. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher supported levels. Brad Medlin, Drita Foles, Zee Daniel D., Aaron Close, Dan Rauner, Daniel Hyde, Brian Riggleman, Sam Miller, MJB1, Deke, GZ Ziggy, SNES Chalmers, Jerome Ferriera, Andrew S., Falcon Alev, General Drips, Jensen Wang, Nathan Mose, Eric Jackson, Sarcastro, Evan Dingle, Greg Wonchek, Chris Rich, Nicholas Buckner, Benjamin Cannon, Jonathan, Jesse Jeskowiak, 3DSB08, Hal Buma, Blake, 4 roomcom Franco Frederick, Shredbird, Dr Forbin, Jake Dude 23, Jake Martin's Licky, Ricky Tan, Chris Frey Butler, Stefan Hart, Meat and Pork Stew, Tim Robb, Ian Clifford. Travis Gooding, and Sammy Malas, Deepest Learners, Mad, Zuzu Taylor, Stephen Coates, Michael McGee, Greg, Betch Crow, Stefan, Jordan Simkovic, Amy Will Chief, Wen Wang, Tommy, Mark Mitchell, Julian Leaked, I Should, Mark Raidmaker, The Boss Haas, James Anderson, Cole Attic, Jensen N., Cameron, Weasley Sager, Henry Zhang, Michelle Pell, D31337 Antics, Roger Davies, Cameron, Hexapuma, Chrysantine, Meyer Tech Rants, Reginald Diary, T Cottom, Jackson Miller, Gregory S. Ecker, Neith Razink, The Eternal Dreamers, JSMH, Game and Sense Reagan, Jeff Sadler, AWS Danny, Lupole 35, Winstar, James I. Raider, Corey Leonard, Little Germany, Shea, Milton, Pulse Media, Dave Schultz, Mac Daffy, Stephen Dick, Chuck and Brett Jones, Austin Haggerty, Justin Bustle, i7 711700 K, Joe Foot, Hardland, Slushboss, C2, Jansen Angima, Joseph Kelly, Samuel Park, Heath Moore, Him Sagung, Tails2299, Brian Wright, John, Sifos, Earth Taurus, The Forbidden Juice, Venti CZ, Kiko Sato, Toka, RB Racer, Me Valverga, AC, Colin Tadards, Lord Starstream, Michael Cozy, Dr. J Mad, Alex Vega, Free d John Swin, Rodent BC, Terminal Junkie, Brian Wright, Jed Baldwin, Joe La Martina, Kikum, Elbergun, Solarize, 80, Christopher Ricks, Jimmy Whitworth, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music.